Hello, I'm Willie George, and I want to welcome you to this edition of Faith Roots. And uh, this is our first uh, edition of the podcast. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time and really praying, working, seeking God's direction on exactly how we want to do this. And uh, so we're going to begin with a very basic and elementary concept. I want to talk to you about the natural man and the spiritual man. And uh, this is such a, a very, very important idea. You can't receive from God if you're not a spiritual man. And the scripture says, but the natural man, 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual discerns all things. So if this is true, and the only way to receive from God is to become a spiritual man, then we need to know exactly what that means. Uh, we, we use that word, we throw it around so much in our culture, spiritual. Does it mean emotional? Does it mean fervent? Does it mean someone who's highly religious? I've met a lot of highly religious people who didn't have any spirituality whatsoever. Uh, is it a person who's extremely emotional and, and, and really fervent uh, uh, emotionally? Well, some of the most unstable people I know are people who are very emotional about their faith. So spirituality needs a good definition, and we're going to talk about that. What are the characteristics of a spiritual man or a spiritual woman? Uh, and I think this, most of God's children bounce back and forth between the two. I think sometimes we operate as natural men. The Apostle Paul had a, a way of saying this. He said, we are not mere men. A mere man is a natural man. But we're spiritual people. So what does it mean to operate as a spiritual person? The best way for me to define it is to let the Bible define it. And it's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 16. And it involves a very interesting field trip that Jesus took with his 12 disciples. Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now I'm going to stop here. I actually have been to this place, and it's a, a place in northern Israel, north of the Sea of Galilee, called Banyas. And it's actually named after the Greek god Pan, the god of wine and debauchery. And uh, all kinds of uh, wicked and lewd things happened around this little pond, our little spring there called Banyas. Uh, it's, it's not called Panyas because the Arabs have a very difficult time pronouncing uh, the P in their uh, alphabet, in their speech. And so uh, they, they, they turned it into a B, Banyas instead of Panyas. But this is, was a place where it was considered to be very dark, and it was considered to be one of the gates of hell. And so Jesus took his people his followers, into this place to give them a word about what it means to be spiritual and about the conflict that they're all going to face. And he said to them, he said, uh, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But who do you say that I am? 
Well, Simon Peter answered him, and he said, You are the Christ, the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven." And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, Jesus told Peter that he was going to give him great authority because of something that he understood. Now, that was not a promise exclusively to Peter. It was a promise to anybody who followed in his footsteps with this. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on this rock. Well, Peter was not the rock, as some would suppose. The idea that Peter received is the rock. It's revelation knowledge. Now, I want to stop and, and, and point this out. When Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, he wasn't saying, Peter, you didn't learn that I was Messiah because some other human being told you I was Messiah. That isn't what Jesus was saying at all. He was saying, Peter, you did not come to believe this or see this because of things that you received through your physical senses. And I want to stop and really zero in on that for a minute. We have five physical senses, most of us. Some of us lose physical senses. Uh, but, but there is the sight, uh, uh, the, the, the sense of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, and feeling. And these are five wonderful gates through which we receive knowledge. And, and it's a good thing to have all of these gates working. God created these so that we could learn about this natural world. But here's our problem. God is independent of the natural world. He does not exist in the natural world. We can see the evidence that he has been here. We can see the evidence that he created it. But God does not exist inside the material universe. He exists outside the material universe. So the only way to know God is by another means. And if you and I are made up of five physical senses that send information to the brain, if we don't have something else working in us, then we're no different than the animals. We are spirit beings. We have been created spirit beings. And these spirit beings that we are, we have the ability to receive spiritual knowledge. And we acquire this knowledge through another gate altogether. Now, I want you to listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel of John to the woman at the well. And he said this, he said in verse 23, chapter 4 of John, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For their Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. 
Now, Jesus is saying that truth, the truth of the Word of God, is a spiritual thing. It's not something that we can see or perceive just with our five physical senses. And he is saying that this truth is imparted to us spiritually. God is a spirit. We have to be spirit in order to connect with Him. So if we're going to receive from God, it will be through spiritual means. Now, now, this is so incredibly important because um, if you don't understand how God communicates in spirit, you will be doomed as a sense knowledge Christian. You will only believe when things look good, when things feel good, when things are going smoothly in your natural world. And that's exactly how a lot of people live. And to live like that is to be on a spiritual roller coaster, an emotional roller coaster, uh, because sometimes things are very, very good. Sometimes they're not. And you and I both know, in fact, I know what it was like for me when I first became a follower of Jesus. I rode a roller coaster because there were days that I could not feel the presence of God. And so I began to think that maybe God was upset with me. Well, you can imagine what that creates in a person. You begin to imagine things that you didn't even do that were wrong, but you think, well, this little thought here, that little thought there, that's what got me in trouble. And it's impossible not to have thoughts. I mean, Jesus was tempted with bad thoughts, and so you wind up with this sense of condemnation. Now, maybe you didn't have that experience, but I did. And I was riding an emotional roller coaster, but then I would go to church and I would listen to the preaching and teaching of God's word. And I would feel the Holy Spirit in the worship and be around other people praying. And in that atmosphere, I was lifted emotionally. I felt God. But it lasted only for about two to three hours after I got out of the service. By early the next morning, when it was time to get up and go to school, I couldn't feel God's presence anymore at all. I'm thinking, He's left me. I, I, I don't know what I've done. And so that's the existence that you live when you are a natural man, when you are a natural human being, receiving only through the five physical senses, and when you do not know how to receive truth from a spiritual source, you are doomed to living the roller coaster life. And so many of God's children live exactly that way. And they become fixed on gatherings where they can be emotional. And, and, and this is why so many people will do the most desperate things in the world emotionally to try to find that place where they think they're pleasing God. And we will act out and do bizarre things and we'll call this a work of the Holy Spirit. And we're doing it because we're so desperate to show God that we really love Him rather than receiving and impartation through spiritual channels, we're still operating in that which is fleshly or emotional. Now, you have to understand the emotional part of your being is not the spiritual part of your being. Emotions are wonderful things, and they enable us to enjoy life in a more full sense. It's wonderful to have great emotions. But you can be convinced of God's truth when you have no emotions at all. And that's what a deeply spiritual person does. A deeply spiritual person can flow with emotions or without emotions. I think the best way that this has ever been described is years ago I heard 
a well-known teacher talking about how this is like an instrument-rated pilot. There are those wonderful days where you fly and you don't need your instruments. You have sunshine and you can see your way through everything. And, and, and there are a lot more of those pilots than there are instrument-rated pilots. And so the instrument-rated pilots can fly even when you can't see your hand in front of your face. We learn to trust the instruments. And many, many times pilots who are unfamiliar with flying in instrument weather uh, actually wind up flying upside down. They get disoriented in its condition called vertigo and they think they're climbing and actually they're going down and they crash their planes. Now, I live not too far from Claremore, Oklahoma, and Claremore, Oklahoma is one of the few towns in our area that is oriented to a southwest to northeast axis. And so the town is not true north and south. It's southwest and northeast. Every time I go to Claremore, I get disoriented. And it's because I'm trying to think of the streets as north-south. Most of the places you go, uh, at least in our part of the world, out here on the plains, uh, the cities are laid out north to south. Well, Claremore's not. And so I have a difficult time with my sense of direction just about every time I'll get into Claremore. I'll be driving on a street and he'll say, north so-and-so, and I'll think, no, this is not north, this is east. Uh, but it's because it's oriented in a slightly different direction. And that's what happens to a lot of people. They trust their feelings more than they trust the instruments. God has given us instruments to fly by. He has given us ways to know Him that are sure, that are solid, that, that surpass emotion. And emotion is a wonderful help when it tags along behind, but it was never meant to lead you. And if you're being led by emotion and going by emotion, listen, some of the most wonderful people that I've ever met in my life were people when I first met them, I didn't trust them. And it was just some little emotional thing that I had only later to find out that they were wonderful people full of integrity. There had been other people that I met that I immediately liked and I thought, man, this is a guy you could trust. And I got burned by him. And I found out that my feelings weren't always the best way to judge character. You cannot allow emotion to govern your life. And that's what Jesus was trying to teach his guys. He was saying, you learn about me not through flesh and blood. It is revealed to you who I am by the Father who is in heaven. And there's your difference. The flesh and blood is the five physical senses. And God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. Now, Spiritual things are true. God's spiritual things are true. They are realities. This is another thing you're going to have to get settled in your heart. You cannot make something true just because you believe it. Let me read you a verse here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Uh, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them to strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Now, now, God says about this particular group of people who rejected his truth that they believed a lie. Well, now, if you believing something makes that thing true, and that's a very popular idea in our culture, that, it, well, that's true for you. That's your truth. Well, what you're saying is that I make something true because I believe it. If I believe it enough, then I make it true. I make it true for me. And that's not so. 
It's either true or it's not true. And you do not make it true because you believe it. And right here, the Bible tells us very clearly that it's possible to believe a lie. And if you believe a lie, you're not going to make that lie true just because you believe it or because a majority of people believe it. It's still true. In fact, there's another scripture that says, let God be true and every man a liar, meaning that God's word is truth regardless of whether or not the majority believes it. You know, the majority did not believe there would be a flood, but Noah had heard from God and he was correct. The rest of the world was wrong. You know, nobody believed in the resurrection. There wasn't a single person present at the tomb where Jesus was about to be raised from the dead. Even his followers didn't believe it was going to happen. Even though he had told them time and again that he would be crucified, rejected, crucified, and would rise again the third day, but nobody believed it. And so it happened whether they believed it or not. God's truth is truth. If you believe it, it will bless you. If you refuse to believe it, you will suffer the consequences. You will experience less in life because you didn't believe the truth of God's word. So what we have to learn to do is to believe in these spiritual realities even when we can't see them. Now, this is a story I absolutely love. It's an Old Testament story. I'm going to read it from uh, the New Living Translation. And it's about Elisha the prophet. The king was after him, the king of Syria. And he said, go and find out where Elisha is. We will send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Well, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant and the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, my Lord, what will we do now? He cried out to Elisha. And Elisha is just cool, calm, and collected, and he said, Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. And as the Aramean army advanced toward them, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. And they were struck with temporary blindness, just like Elisha said. That's 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning verse 13. Isn't that a great story? Uh, I'm not sure that Elisha was seeing that army. I think he knew God so well that he knew that they were there whether he had to see them or not. This young man needed to see them, and when his eyes were opened and he was able to see all of these angelic armies that were around, it totally changed his perspective. And then you saw the result of the heavenly armies being there. So this is what I want you to get today from this lesson. Spiritual realities are of a higher order and of a higher authority than physical realities. And if you want to be able to walk with God, you have to learn how to receive spiritual truth and how to receive spiritual priority or realities, even when they don't look like they are so in this natural world. That is what it means to become a spiritual man or a spiritual woman. You trust God's truth, what God has said, what God has proclaimed in His Word more than what you're seeing in the world around you. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we will continue this lesson. I can't wait to get into the next part because this stuff is really going to be good. Thank you. 